Welcome back to Bible time, Colossians 2.16. Colossians 2.16. Now we looked at this, but very in a very specific manner to drinking. We already put that up. Um, that was actually our first recorded Bible time. And, and then we went back and picked up the other verses that we hadn't gotten to yet. Now we're back to verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increaseth, with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men? Was Paul saying anything goes now that you're saved? You don't have to worry. Touch, touch whatever you want. Taste whatever you want. Handle whatever you want. Well, if that was your wife he was talking about, would you say that? So there's obviously some difference here in Christian opinion about what these verses mean. We're going to look at that a little bit today. Let no man judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. A key, a key thing here in verse 19 he says, and not holding the head, which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Father, help us today in Jesus name to rightly divide the word of truth. Help us to know what you're actually saying here. Help us to get past all of the cultural barriers. Lord, all the all the cultural lies that have been told. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth. Help us to have true liberty in Christ. Lord God, to not be beguiled of our reward. Oh, Lord God, and, and not to go off the other side, Lord God, and to license. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth and walk that careful balance, Lord, of Scripture that you want us to walk, that we can only walk through the power of your Spirit and the illumination of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So it says here, let no man judge you in meat. And I just want to look at that meat for just a second. This is dealing with men who would bring you under the dietary and ceremonial law, which was given by God to the Jews. Now we can look at verse um, Leviticus 11 real quick. Have you noticed a trend we tend, that we tend to start our study? We'll look at a verse and we'll look at just a couple things and then we find ourselves almost immediately in the Old Testament. That's God's way. That's not by accident, and it's not by my plan. It's just how you rightly divide the word of truth. There's nothing devious about it. You just, in order to know what the New Testament means, you have to go back to the Old Testament in order to get the picture. And we're probably not going to spend enough time in the Old Testament today, but we're at least going to um, touch Leviticus 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying unto them, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which ye shall eat among all the beasts that are on the earth. Whatsoever parteth the hoof, and is cloven-footed, and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that shall ye eat. 
Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud or of them that divide the hoof as the camel because he cheweth the cud but divideth not the hoof. He is unclean unto you. And the coney, because he cheweth the cud, and you can look up the coney, it's like a little rock rabbit that lives in the rap in the in the rocks, um, which is also right out of scripture in Proverbs. But divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you, and the hare, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you, and the swine, though he divide the hoof, and be cloven footed, yet he cheweth not the cud, he is unclean to you. Of their flesh ye shall, shall ye not eat, and their carcass shall ye not touch. They are unclean to you. These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters. Now, here we have the Seventh-day Adventists will not eat pork. They will not eat swine. They worship on the Sabbath. Here in verse 18 of Colossians, he says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And that describes the Seventh-day Adventist so-called church. There's some things that they say that sound right, but they have gone off following some woman prophetess that put herself up and beguiled a whole group of people, and they've gone off the deep end. They are beguiled of their reward. Their faith has been spoiled. They've been beguiled with enticing words, and I love them, and I want God's best for them, and I have absolutely nothing against them. Me telling the truth doesn't mean I hate anybody. God telling the truth doesn't mean he hates anybody. Truth is truth whether it barks your tree or not. Just because the truth gets goes after you and just because you're in at odds to the truth doesn't mean that the truth is wrong. The truth is the truth whether you like the truth or not. Whether your mommy likes the truth, whether your daddy likes the truth, whether your brother or your sister likes the truth, the truth is the truth. So here we have this where he says you're not supposed to eat the swine. He talks about the fish in the sea. He says, Whatsoever hath no fins nor scales in the waters, that shall be an abomination unto you. He says um, in verse 10 of Leviticus 11, follow along, And all that have not fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters and of any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination unto you. That would be lobsters and um, clams. That would be eels, sea snakes octopus squid now most of us would say that sounds unclean to me anyway some of us you know lobster that might be a little different a lot of people really like lobster and clam and all that i enjoy some of that and i do eat it even though the bible says it shall be an abomination unto you so how on earth can i say that i'm a christian and i keep christ's commandments if i don't keep leviticus 11 uh, and the bible goes on and says um and these are they which shall which ye shall have an abomination among the fowls. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle and the ossifrage and the osprey and the vulture and the kite after his kind. Now who in their right mind would want to eat a vulture? Man. Even um, every raven after his kind and the owl and the night hawk and the cuckoo and the hawk after his kind and the little owl and the cormorant and the great owl and the swan and the pelican and the gyre eagle and the stork and the heron after her kind and the lapwing and the bat. Nasty. Who wants bat for dinner? Roasted bat. It's a popular in some places. China, for one. <laughs> now, it says here, All fowls that creep going upon all four shall be an abomination unto you. All fowls that creep going upon all four. That's a pretty strange thing to say. 
Nothing really comes to mind about fowls that creep going upon all four. The Bible talks about the fiery flying serpent in some places. There are some animals that we would call dinosaurs that have gone extinct that probably were not extinct during the time of this writing whenever God wrote these laws for the children of Israel. So are we supposed to keep these laws or not? Here in Colossians, he says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. He's talking here about the ceremonial and dietary laws that God gave specifically to the Jews. And we have touched on this in other sessions of Bible time in some of our other podcasts that we've put up. How that God, through Jesus Christ, fulfilled the law. That did not do away with the moral law of God that has always been in effect, but it did away in a practical sense with the ceremonial and the dietary. And some people say, oh, no, it didn't. Jesus came, but he didn't do away with those other laws. Well, a lot of the Jews thought like that. If you go to Acts, go to Acts real quick. Lord, help us today. This is a little strange format, but that's what we've got. We've been up late, had some hospital visitation and stuff and just a lot of travel and lateness right now and I'm a little strange this morning but we're going to try and just stick to the Bible so forgive me and bear with me so let's go to Acts where Paul gets back to Jerusalem right around Acts 20 Um, Acts 21 Acts 21 So when Paul got to Jerusalem and he spoke to James, let's see, I'm sorry, I didn't have this already. So verse 19, verse 18, and the day day following, Paul went in with us unto James and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs. Now, if you've read Galatians, you can see where the Jews got that opinion. Because Paul told them, if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. Now here in verse 22, James says, What is it therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Do therefore this that we say to thee. We have four men which have a vow on them. Them take and purify thyself with them and be at charges with them that they may shave their heads and they and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. Now, were they telling Paul a lie? Was was Paul lying when he did this? Because verse 26 says, Then Paul took the men and the next day, purifying himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. Now, this touches into what Paul said to the Jews. I'll be a Jew. He says, I'll be all things to all men, that by all means I may win some. Paul was not lying. The problem was the Jews did not understand grace. And even after they got saved, they had a very big problem 
with grace. And we're going to find out some more about that here in a minute, what God did because of that. Verse 25, they, James said, As touching the Gentiles which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. That ties into Acts 15, which we've looked at, which we're also going to go back to and look at here in just a minute. So here is Paul, and he has taken four men with him. They have a vow upon them. This is ceremonial Jewish law out of um, the book of Leviticus. And he's gone into the temple and sat there to, until the day of the accomplishment of the purification. He's done this to placate the conscience of the Jews who believe. Now, that's an interesting statement. James said there are many of the Jews that believe that are zealous according to the law. They are zealous of the law. These Jews believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, but their belief in Christ did not in any way stop them from keeping the law. In fact, they maintained their zeal for the law while they worshiped Christ, and James did not condemn them for it. That's a very interesting thing. And that's something that you ought to take note of. James did not condemn the Jews that believed that were zealous to the law. Now, these guys that believed and were zealous according to the law, they were going to make some major mistakes because of their zeal for the law. They were so zealous for the law that it was going to cause problems. Now, I told you there would be some things God would do. Jesus, on his way to the cross, said, Weep not for me, weep for yourselves to the daughters of Jerusalem. And he told them the curses that were going to come. And those curses would come in about 30 more years. Somewhere in that time frame. Well, this is later in Paul's life. This may have been, and I, you know, you can check the scholars and all that. I stay away from them on purpose because they really have heart, nothing to offer. There's a few little things you can get that will help you and the rest of it will hurt you. But this would be sometime before 70 A.D. and sometime after 33 A.D., when, roughly when Jesus was crucified. So sometime between those years. And between that time, you have Acts chapter 2 through Acts chapter 21 to where we're at. And all these events and all these missionary journeys, Galatians gives us some information that shows that it was about, there was about a 14-year time in Paul's life where he wasn't doing missionary work. So this has got to be somewhere in the 20 years after Christ, somewhere around 50 A.D. to to before 70 A.D. when Titus conquered Israel and destroyed Jerusalem. So we're looking at about, there's about 20 years left, maybe only 10 years left, I'm not sure, but a very short amount of time left before Emperor Titus is going to come. Now, this is before the Jews threw off the Romans, because if you read on in Acts, the Romans still had control, but it was tenuous. And the Romans would have control for a few more years. So this is before the Jews kicked the Romans out of Israel. Why are we saying all this? What's the point of all this history? Listen, pay attention right here. Pay attention. God, in his sovereignty and his providence, was going to destroy the temple at Jerusalem and put an end to the ceremonial law for good and for good in that time. Boy, we're struggling today. But God was going to put an end to the ceremonial law. There's people out here, they won't eat pork. 
but they don't go sacrifice a lamb on the Day of Atonement in Jerusalem, and they don't because there's a Muslim mosque sitting where the, where the temple used to sit. They can't do it. There's nothing left but the wailing wall. And the people that say that they keep the law, it's the biggest lie. Listen to me, you Seventh-day Adventists. Listen to me, all you Sabbath keepers. Listen to me, all you Hebrew roots and everybody else that's trying to keep the law. You are in a total hypocrisy. What you're doing is a farce. It's phony. It's fake. You've got your tassels on your shirt and on your pants and on your britches. And you don't even go to Jerusalem to worship three times a year like God says. You're a total hypocrite. And I love you enough to tell you that. If you try and keep the law for righteousness, you are a hypocrite. You have missed the whole thing. And here these Jews were zealous according to the law. But look what they did in the very next verse. It says that the Jews from Asia saw Paul in the temple and they stirred up all the people. Verse 28, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place. And further brought Greeks also into the temple and hath polluted this holy place. For they had seen before with him in the city Trophimus and Ephesian whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was moved, and the people ran together, and they took Paul and drew him out of the temple, and forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him, tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. And you can read the rest of Paul's story there. That's where we're stopping um, today. Go to 1 Corinthians 10. So the, as you're going there, these Jews got caught up, and a lot of the believing Jews probably got sucked in with the rest of the other Jews because they were all zealous according to the law and they did not want the temple polluted. The temple was important to them. The temple was their heritage. The temple was, much of their hope was built up in the temple. And even though they had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, not all the Jews, not those ones from Asia had not, and many of those others in the city had not, but many of the believing Jews that were zealous to the law had gotten caught up in this thing. So even though James did not condemn them for trying to keep the law, their continued attempts to keeping the law were a stumbling block to them, and it ended up getting them messed up. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, want to see this here. Verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, we've got, there's so much here. Lord, help us today. We can't even begin to cover all the content. Everything in the Word of God that has to deal with this subject. There is so much here. But here in Colossians, it says in verse 19 that these that would beguile you do not hold the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. So the nourishment of God that he gives through the head, Jesus Christ, is referenced here in 1 Corinthians 10 whenever it says in verse 3, and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Father, forgive me for not having this um, prepared nearly as well 
as I would like to have it prepared. Now that spiritual drink came from the rock, which is Christ. The spiritual meat was the manna which came down from heaven. Jesus Christ said, I am the manna from the wilderness. He says, I am the bread of life. Whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood is my disciple. He says, whosoever does not shall have no part in me. And many of the disciples went back and the Catholic Church got started 300 and some years later with Constantine, like that or not. And then they came up about another 700 years later or so with this heretic cult lie of transubstantiation where they say that the body of Jesus, that the crackers, that the um, perverted priest stands up there and blesses in his Latin at those crackers during their so-called communion service, the, the absolute abomination of the Catholic Mass, that whenever they take that cracker, it becomes the literal body of Christ. And when they take that wine that the priest has been hitting in the back room and getting drunk on while he's doing his perverted acts to the altar boys and nuns, that that wine then becomes the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you don't like that, that's just the truth of it. I'm sorry. That's what they think and it's what they do. It's been going on for years. Now, not every Catholic priest is involved in every level of perversion that they're in, but it's all blasphemy and it's all filthy heretic lies. Now, that transubstantiation, they think that that cracker becomes part of the body of Jesus, that bread. They think that that wine becomes the blood of Christ. And they do what Colossians says here. They beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up with his fleshly mind. And verse 16, they judge you in meat and they judge you in drink. If you don't eat their meat and their drink, you're going to go to hell. That's what they believe. You've got to take their mass that's consecrated by their priest because they're the only ones that can do the witchcraft, the sorcery, to turn that stuff into the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ, and they're judging you after meat and drink. Now, this is what Paul is talking about here. This is what Paul's dealing with. This is what he's saying. They're going to come in and they're going to try and make you keep the ceremonial law or they're going to make up new ceremonies that you've got to keep. And you've got to go through their little song and dance and you've got to keep up with their ritualism or you're not saved. And they're going to get you to submit with a voluntary humility. They're going to get you to worship angels. They're going to get you, by the way, to worship saints. They're going to get you to intrude into those things which he hath not seen vainly puffed up with his fleshly mind. They're going to hold you in ignorance in things that you can't understand that they themselves don't even understand with words and sayings and re repetitious phrases that they don't really have any concept of or any hope of understanding because it's a bunch of nonsense. That's what this is all about. They're going to bring you under a form of religion. They're going to bring you under ceremonies. They're going to bring you under law. They're going to bring you under a set of things that you got to do. You can go back and watch footage of World War II before the D-Day invasion, and you can see thousands of soldiers stand up in front of a Catholic priest, and the Catholic priest does his little sign of the cross and blesses the, the bread and blesses the wine and passes out mass, and all these soldiers get on their knees and follow on their knees in front of this priest and he passes out the bread and the wine and they'll drink it and they'll eat it and then they go and get their gut shot out and blown out on the battlefield thinking that they're going to go to heaven when they die because they ate that guy's bread and drank that guy's wine that he lied to them about you say i'm being too hard on i'm telling you the truth today 
I'm telling you the truth today. Now, if you were going to sit down with me, we ha- I, I, listen, I love to talk to you about it. I'll be a lot more gentle. But right now, I'm just telling the truth. And we're just trying to get the truth out there. Jesus said, Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, here in 1 Corinthians, he says, And did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Colossians says that the head, which is Jesus Christ, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Now, if we studied that passage out in John where Jesus talked about, if you eat my flesh, except ye eat my flesh and drink my blood, ye have no part in me. He said in that passage, he said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they, I believe he said, are life. You look it up for yourself. You study it out for yourself. Jesus Christ himself said that that was an allegory. Jesus Christ interpreted his own words, and he was not saying that we were to literally cannibalize his flesh. And if you've got off on that, boy, you're a long way from the gospel, and you're a long way from Christ. Now, moving on in 1 Corinthians, he says, But with many of them was... God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now we get to this, let no man judge you, and the common cultural interpretation of this passage in America, and maybe in other parts of the world is, let no man judge him, man. Don't judge me, man. Anything goes. I'm saved. I can eat what I want, drink what I want, pass the dosakis. Pass me over another one of those Coronas, which isn't that interesting. We've got liquor called Corona. Now we've got the coronavirus. Well, we've had a coronavirus in America for a long time. Pass me another Budweiser. Give me another course. Come on, let's drink it up. We can do whatever we want because we're saved. By the way, I'm going to run around with whoever I want to run around with. We'll go to church on Sunday and we'll live like hell the rest of the day and probably in between services. Paul here says... In verse 5 of 1 Corinthians, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink. There it is. There's another eating and drink, and rose up to play. That's out of Exodus, I believe, 32. You can look it up later. And that is when it, where Moses comes down from the mountain. The children of Israel were eating and drinking and rose up to play. Naked as the day they were born, dancing in front of a golden calf, saying, These be thy gods that brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Verse 9, Neither let us tempt Christ. Well, I missed verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. And that's when they got mixed up with Moab. And guess what they were doing with Moab? Lord, help me preach this today. They were going up to the idolatrous feasts of Moab and eating their meat sacrificed to idols. And when they got involved in that, those Moabite ladies slunks would slink up to them. And next thing you know, they're all committing 
adultery and fornication and they started bringing Moabite women into the camp and you'll remember how that one of those princes brought in a Moabitish princess right into the camp while Moses and the elders were weeping because of the sins of Israel oh he had liberty man don't judge me man he walked right into the camp he went right into his tent boy he had some liberty he'd been baptized under the cloud he'd eaten of the spiritual meat he drank of the spiritual drink and there he was committing fornication. And Phineas, the son of Eleazar, grabbed a javelin and followed him into the tent and speared him right through his belly and right through her belly. He joined them together. Amen. The Bible says what God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And old Phineas joined those men together. So a man joined that man and woman together, and they died in each other's blood right there in the tent. And you know what God said about that? He blessed Phineas. He blessed Phineas, and he made a, gave a blessing to Phineas's whole seed after him, uh, a, a blessing that would go on from generation to generation. Boy, that's not modern churchianity. How many churches are you going to hear about that preach on Phineas spearing that man and his fornicative partner? You don't hear about that in our churches. Don't judge me, man. He says here, neither let us commit fornication. Verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpents. There, oh, we can't get into that today. We're moving. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now in all this context, Paul says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And look at verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Now get this. Get this. Because this is the same chapter that in verse 23 is going to say, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. And boy, have we heard that quoted till we're absolutely sick on it. Quoted out of context. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Well, I can do this, but you can't. Yeah, I can drink this beer, but I'm just not going to drink it in front of a weaker brother lest he stumble. Listen, you have rested the scriptures. You're so far off base and so far out of God's will that you don't even know how to read your Bible straight anymore. And you need to repent and drink and just dump that drink, that garbage down the drain because you have misapplied the word of God to your destruction and you are on your way to absolute destruction. If you are a Christian, you're about to go off the deep end and you're going to be judged by it. Your work will be burned and you will suffer loss. And the work that is going to be burned might be your very own children that you are going to lead into sins they will never recover from. Oh, I know you don't you think I'm a legalist now, but I'm sorry. I'm just going with the Bible. Here he says, wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry, flee from idolatry. This whole concept of meat offered to idols is what Paul is dealing with whenever um, in act was dealing with in 
Acts chapter 21. It's what he's dealing with in Acts 15. It's what he's dealing with here in 1 Corinthians 10. Whenever he says in Colossians, let, um, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink, he is not saying, and I repeat, he is not saying, you just go on up to the pagan temple and eat it up and drink it up and throw your arm around a harlot and have a good old time while you're there and then come on into church on Sunday. Now, that's the modern American interpretation of this passage, but the Bible is of no private interpretation. You have no right to your opinion. You say everybody's got a right to their opinion. That's a lie. You have no right to an opinion about the Word of God that contradicts other Scripture, other clear Scripture. The Bible is of no private interpretation. Here he says, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Stay here. 1 John 5, 21, a warning from John. He says to little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. There's a last word from, from John in 1 John. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Now, Paul would go on here in 1 Corinthians. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body, for we, all are, we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel after the flesh are not they which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar. What say I then? And by the way, you got to look at see that again. Israel after the flesh. Just throw it in. Verse 19. What say I then that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? So here's the great debate. Here's where we really get thick. The guy in his little Bolshevik hack sitting there with his home brew in his hand and his, and his perverted Bible in the other one. He doesn't go to church. He's a church unto himself. He doesn't need a pastor. He doesn't need fellowship. He just wants to bring a bunch of people under his own influence. And he's sitting there saying, look, the idol's nothing. The idol's nothing. That which is offered to the sacrifice to idols, is that's not anything either. And he goes on and on in his little whiny, mealy mouth voice, perverting the scriptures and teaching people to not obey the Bible. Listen, God's got a hot place in hell for people like that. And if you're saved and you get in that crowd, your work's going to be burned. You're gonna, you are going to suffer loss. Keep yourself from idols. Here he's, Paul says, the idol, what say I then, that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifices to idols is anything? He's saying, no, the idol is nothing. The idol has no power. The idol has no authority. He says that which is offered in sacrifice to idols, that's nothing either. Jesus Christ is bigger. Jesus Christ is greater. Jesus Christ is is able to purify, to sanctify. We don't need to be afraid of me offered to idols. He says in verse 20, But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Paul's get this. Paul says, I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. And wake up, church. Wake up, Gentile church. You are having fellowship with devils. You have brought the world into your church. You brought the world's liquor. You brought the world's sin. You brought the world's abominations. You go to the world's idolatrous feasts, and you have you have fellowship 
with devils. He says in verse 21, ye cannot drink of the, the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. By the way, the Catholic mass is the embodiment of the cup of devils. You go take the mass and you are drinking the cup of devils. It is so far from God and so far from the Bible. You cannot get anything that they do out of the scripture. It is an absolute idolatrous perversion. Flee from idolatry. The Bible says you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. By the way, while we're here, you say Catholics can be saved. Oh, I think Catholics can get saved if, they, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. So yeah, I know a guy, he's a real good guy. He helps the sick and the elderly, and he's a Catholic. He goes up there to the Catholic services every week, but he believes in Jesus, and he's got a good, strong testimony. Lie! Get away from that junk. Why have you let yourself be beguiled? You have been beguiled. You have been spoiled. The man is an idolater. You cannot partake of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. And the man is an idolater. He's got a false Jesus and a false spirit. And his belief is a false belief. And it's evidenced by his lying works. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Can God save a Catholic? Absolutely. And praise God that he can. But God doesn't save a Hindu and leave them worshiping in their Hindu temples. He doesn't save a Buddhist and leave the Buddhist kneeling and doing yoga in front of a statue of fat man Buddha. And I'm not mocking him. That's just a fact. Man's a glutton. They worship a glutton. By the way, that whole Buddhism is nothing but a worship of the body. It's humanism. They worship the body. That's why Buddha was fat. Now, boy, are we hitting everything today? Let's hit, let's just try and stick with the Bible. He says, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Some of you people have got idols in your houses. You call yourself Christians. The Bible says flee from idolatry. Get away from it. You don't even know the spiritual power behind that thing. That's the irony of it. You've intruded into things that you have not seen. You think that just because you don't feel anything, that there is nothing to it. And that's the whole deception of it. Satan doesn't want you to feel anything. If you felt something, you might actually run from it. No, he's going to let you move right on and fill your houses up with idols and idolatrous icons and everything that God hates. And you have disobeyed the scripture that says, flee idolatry. Listen to me. You say, what's that got to do with Colossians 2.16? Because we have taken a verse that is designed to loose us from the law, the ceremonial law, and the dietary law, and the bringing under a voluntary humility, and we have allowed Satan to use this verse to bring us under a voluntary humility. Now instead of taste not, touch not, it's taste and touch. 
And if you don't taste and touch and handle, you're not a real Christian. A real Christian who's supposedly full of the Spirit says a bunch of gibberish, fills his house with idols, watches filthy, perverted movies, and quote-unquote, they don't affect him. He's got liberty in Christ. He hammers the liquor, and he runs around with women, and the whole time, oh, he's got liberty. He's hyper-spiritual. He's got his little soul patch and skinny jeans and Bolshevik hat and his home brews, and he's teaching men to defy the Scriptures. It's just a reverse of this verse. All they've done is taken this and rest it to their own destruction. And by the way, grow a soul patch if you want it. Wear a Bolshevik hat if you want it. It just happens to be a trend, and I'm picking on them a little bit whenever I say those things. There's nothing sinful about those things. Don't misquote me. But it is an irony. It is an irony that it seems like 99% of them wear those little hats. And I don't get it. Maybe that's just my personal experience. So forgive me if it's not yours. I don't mean to condemn somebody for wearing a certain style of hat. You go on. You got liberty in Christ, brother, to wear that hat. Now, let's move on. Acts 15. As you turn there, I'm going to read a little more in 1 Corinthians. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Now, this word, all things are lawful to me. If you're going to quote this verse, then I want to, I want to tell you something today. I want to share something with you. All things are lawful for me. What are you under if you're claiming this verse for what you do? You say, oh, I can drink my liquor. It's All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. What are you under? You've just put yourself under the law. All things are lawful for me. You're living under a law. You've got a set of rules. You're a legalist. That's what you are. You're a legalist. You're living by a set of rules that you carved out of the Bible that you think are uh, your measure of holiness and you want everybody else to submit to your laws. You're nothing but a Pharisee, nothing but a legalist, and you claim liberty, but you're a servant of corruption. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things um, are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. wealth. Now, here's where we get into this. Um, I had you turn too quickly. Just hold your place in Acts 15. We've got to go through a couple more verses. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. So he says, now what is Paul combating with this text? Is he combating people having standards of holiness that are scriptural? Is he com- combating people walking, you know, keeping their bodies under subjection like Paul said to do? Is he combating people that try to live in a manner that reflects Christ as ambassadors for Christ? Absolutely not. What he's doing here is he's telling the Corinthian church, you don't need to walk on eggshells. You don't need to stand in the supermarket and pick up a package of ground beef and stand there having a moral dilemma for 45 minutes, wondering if the man that butchered it is an idolater and might possibly be associated with an idol. 
Okay, he's trying to take the spook out of it because Christians will go from one extreme to the other. Satan will push you that way. He's trying to take the spook out of it. He's trying to take the superstition out of it. He's saying, listen, you're not, it's not that you can't eat it that we say not to eat it. Paul's not saying to eat it. He's saying it is not that you cannot eat it that we say not to eat it. It is because of the fellowship with devils that is involved with it that we have told you to abstain from meat sacrificed to idols. Look at Acts 15. Verse 20, but that we write unto them, the Gentiles, in verse 19, that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse 29 says that ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication. And then again in Acts 21, which we read already today, he talks about those very rules in verse 25. He says, as touching the Gentiles which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. Three times in the New Testament. And by the way, every one of them is after Acts 8. We'll throw that in for the hyper-dispensationalists. Three witnesses. Three separate mentions. Three witnesses. Keep yourselves from things offered to idols. Colossians 2.16 has nothing to do with giving you liberty to partake of that which is offered to idols. Now listen to me. Let's just apply some of this right now. You get into these movies that are full of demonology and they're full of witchcraft and they're full of sorcery and enchantment and idolatry and you go and watch that filth and you are polluted with idols. And you can throw whatever you want at me if you, when you see me. But that's just the truth. You have polluted yourself. You bring in the books full of idolatry. You bring in books full of witchcraft. You bring in books full of spells and sorcery. Oh, it's just make-believe. Oh, it's just fairy tales. You have polluted your home with the accursed thing. You have brought the curse into your home. And you wonder why your prayers aren't answered. You wonder why you have no power with God. Oh, I know you false prophets don't wonder because you have demonic power through it. But you true Christians who have been beguiled, I beseech you, get that rot out of your house. Get it out of your home. You say, what do I do with it? Burn it. Go back to the church at Ephesus after Acts 8 again. Paul had them all get together and they voluntarily brought all of their books that were full of witchcraft and idolatry. They didn't have movies or music or they would have brought that with them. And they made a big pile and burned it. And it was worth so much money they noted it in the Bible. Find it and read about it. Listen, this is Bible. We have got so far from the Bible in our culture. We have culturally interpreted the word of God to say what it does not say. And all us Christians, we have been beguiled, we've been spoiled, we've been brought under. Now, we've hit hopefully both sides of it today, the legalists and the licensed. By the way, both of those are leaven. Both of those are leaven. 
Both of those kill. License is just a, another self-righteous form of legalism. It's a new set of rules. Instead of having rules that say I can't touch, I can't taste, now I have a rule that says I can. All you've done is come back under a different law, but you are under a law. You are not under grace. You are under a law. You've got all your little set of rules, and you're not willing to be led by the Spirit of God, and you're not interested in the spiritual truth of God's Word. You don't believe in the idols thing, so you're going to bring them into your house. You have brought yourself under the law, and it's a wicked law, and it is going to destroy you. Your law gives you license for your sin. But it is not God's law and it's not God's liberty. They're legalist. John 17. Sitting there watching your movies. Oh, I have liberty in Christ. Legalist. Legalist. But that made you mad. Legalist. John 17. Smoke coming out of their ears now. You're a legalist. You've brought yourself under the law. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. You're a legalist. John 17. You say, you're name calling. Yeah, I am. John 17. It, I hope it helps you. I really do. I honestly want you to be free. John 17, 11. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Oh, God in heaven, how can I even preach this? I am a man of unclean lips, Lord. And if I have been offensive, please forgive me and help these people look past it, Lord. I pray, Lord, those that do need offended will get good and offended in Jesus' name. He says that they may be one as we are. He says, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. Look at verse 15. He says, um, 14, I have given them thy word and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. He asked, Jesus asked for God to keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. We've got three things here to note. First of all, these that Christ prayed for are not of the world. And he prayed for them to be kept from the evil of the world. Secondly... Christ prayed for the sanctification of these people. The separation. Paul would later say in the epistles, Come out from among them and be ye separate. Peter said, Be ye holy as I am holy. 
There's sanctification that comes through the Word of God. Now, if you have let the world write your Bible and chop up your Bible and edit your Bible, then you have very little hope of finding true biblical sanctification because you have now got, you've already been beguiled and you haven't even read the verses that are going to beguile you yet. You don't even know how beguiled you are because your Bible has been tampered with. Satan has perverted your Bible. You need to get an old King James Bible that's pre-perversion and read it and believe it. Now, the fourth thing here in John is that they all may be one. He says in verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made what? Look, that they may be made perfect in one that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me so much more that we could get into there but look at this jesus wants us to be one and how does he want us to be one through sanctification of the truth which is the word of god you cannot have biblical unity you cannot drink of the cup of the lord and the cup of devils you cannot have biblical unity unless you have biblical sanctification and you cannot have biblical sanctification apart from the word of god it's impossible If you have allowed men's words in false Bibles, if you have allowed men's words in the church fathers, in the writings of the reformers, if you have allowed men's words at conferences and seminars to govern your life, you have excluded yourself from the oneness that Christ desires you to have. And until you get back to biblical faith and biblical sanctification and biblical holiness that is lined up and rightly divided according to God's word, you will never be one with Christ and his true church. It's impossible. Absolutely impossible. So this meat and this drink is a sanctification of the flesh. We already looked at Leviticus 11. I'm going to reference Leviticus 11.44, and it talks about sanctification of the flesh. You can look that up later. Talks about sanctification of the flesh. The law brought a sanctification of the flesh. Now we are not under the law, the Bible says, but under grace. But now in our modern day of lasciviousness, in our day of falling away, in our day where the love of many has waxed cold and iniquity abounds, we have given over instead of the law's outward sanctification and instead of the true sanctification of the Bible, we have a reprobate sanctification. Our reprobate sanctification in this day is don't judge me, man. I can do what I want. I can go where I want. I can drink what I want. I can eat what I want because the Bible says, let no man judge you and me. The Bible says I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. The Bible says, and I go on and on perverting and resting the scriptures. This verse in Colossians 2 is dealing particularly and specifically with the abuse of law keepers. He says, let no man judge you in meat or in drink. And when we get to chapter 3, he's going to deal with license. Now, chapter 2 here, he says, let no man judge you in meat or in drink. 
He says, or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. And again, we read how the whole body has nourishment through the head. Your meat and your drink is a spiritual meat and drink that comes through the head when you are submitted to the headship and authority of Christ. I worked at a college campus not too many years ago, and they had a big sign up. It said, watch your mouth. Now, if you've ever been around a college campus, you know that watch your mouth is not part of their program. And you have all these filthy speakers walking around, evil speakers, spewing all kinds of bad words. And they had this big, big, big poster, watch your mouth. And it said, watch out for hate speech. Don't say words like retard. Oh, you can curse God, you can blaspheme, but don't you dare say retard. This is the kind of reprobate, reprobate, don't judge me sanctification that the world has offered and that our church has sucked up. With everything that it's got. We have rewritten a new law. A new set of rules. A new set of cultural norms. A new set of hate speech. A new set of behavior. A new set of things that you can do and can't do. You better not wear a dress girls. Or you're going to be judging everybody that wears britches. You better not cover up your body. Then you don't have liberty in Christ. You better show me some cleavage. Or you don't love me like a brother. It's a heresy. It's a cult. It's a false worship. It's a false sanctification. It's reprobate. It is upside down. Now Christ is the head. The Bible says in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him which is the head. It did not say you're complete in your women dressing like men and your men dressing like women. It did not say you're complete in your liberty. It did not say you're complete with your liquor. It says you're complete in him. Now, if you're complete in Him, if you're complete in Him, then the life of Christ should be lived through you. And if the life of Christ is not lived through you, you are not of Him. It says here, and not holding the head. These men that will beguile you will not hold the head. They will not recognize the head. By the way, the Catholic Church uses every phrase that's in the Bible if they can possibly do it. If they miss one, they snap it up as fast as they can and they apply false doctrine to it and twist it. How do you know the Catholic Church is of the devil? It's right here. They do not hold the head. The Pope calls himself the Vicar of Christ. Whenever he speaks from his stinking throne up in the Vatican City, he says that his words are ex cathedra, that they have the very authority and power of the inspired word of God, and he is nothing but a liar and a false prophet. He does not hold the head. He sets himself to be as Christ. He claims to be the, pre the vicar of Christ. The man holds himself like Satan did of old. I will be like the Most High. I will sit in the heavens. I will be worshipped. And I butcher that up. Look up where Lucifer claimed his place as God. And you will see the Catholic Church at work. Everything the Catholic Church does. Jesus said, call no man father upon earth. For one is your father and in heaven. And the Catholic Church instructs you to go and tell the priest, Holy Father. Holy Father. 
and call him father in contradiction to the scriptures themselves. It says to have no respect of persons. The Catholic Church has you go and kiss the ring of the Pope and to kiss at his feet and to kiss at the staff and kiss all these little emblems and idols. The word of God says flee from idolatry and they put idolatrous statues and their people worship and pray to their statues and to Mary. They worship angels. They intrude. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus. It says that we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the Catholic Church sets up a little booth where you can come and tell the priest all your dirty little secrets. And then somehow he's supposed to have the power to forgive you even though none can forgive sins but God only they usurp the head the authority of Jesus Christ and therefore they are of the devil this is how you can tell the true from the false in every area of life the number one dirty word in America today is authority the authority of God the sovereignty of God The power of God is hated and despised in this land. But no matter how much you hate God's authority, he still has authority. And he's going to reign and he's going to rule and he's going to judge you. Don't judge me, man. Christ is going to judge you, false prophet. Chapter 3, chapter 2 finishes up in Colossians. He says here, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are ye subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Lord willing, we'll look at some of that in the near future. Chapter 3 is going to bring in the the resurrection of Christ and what it means for a Christian to really live like a Christian. And this is where most of you will probably shut it off. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And get this, and we'll close. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man and his deeds. And we'll get into that in more detail, Lord willing, as we go forward with future Bible times. The Lord bless you. May God grant you liberty in Christ, in the fullness of His Spirit, sanctification through the Word of God, which is truth. In Jesus' name, amen.